Hi guys, welcome back to Skincare Anarchy. This is our Fragrance Friday special and I have such an astonishing guest today. I am so thrilled that she had the time for this. Um, when it comes to, you know, fragrance and understanding the true, you know, vision, the science, the all the great things behind it, I can't think of a better person to interview and to really learn from. So without further ado, I want to introduce you guys to Sue Phillips, who is truly a savant when it comes to scents and fragrance. And I'm just so honored to host you, Sue. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so delighted and actually honored that you found me and that you want to interview me. So thank you. I, I appreciate that very much. <laughs> Well, I'm so excited to learn about you and your career because I know you've done some amazing things and you're truly, you know, your accolades are, you know, just more than I could ever summarize um, in the intro. So I would love to uh, hear about your career and your your journey in fragrance and how it all began. If you could just walk us down memory lane. Sure, absolutely. Well, as I said to one reporter a couple of weeks ago, everything that I've done has been serendipitous. And I never had a plan or a strategy that I was going to be in fragrance. It just really happened quite organically. And so my story really begins in South Africa. I was from, born and raised in South Africa from Johannesburg. And at 10 years old, I was in a play uh, because one of my mother's friends was a Hollywood-type producer. And she said to my mother, Grace, I need a 10-year-old daughter. I need to do a 10-year-old girl for a daughter in a play. And I'd like to. <laughs> Anyway, I got the part and it was quite lovely. And uh, there were two other young girls who had to, you know, uh, rotate because we were all at school. Can you imagine a 10 years old being in a Broadway type play? Anyway, that's what we gave the theater bug. And I started to really think about theater and I wanted to be in theater. So I always wanted to uh, study at RADA, Royal Academy of Dramatic Art. When I finally auditioned there, there were about 5,000 people for about three spots and all of them were English so sadly I didn't get that but I came to New York and I realized that I really wanted to be in New York so I went to a headhunter and he said what do you do I said I'm a singer and actress he said forget that we have thousands of out of work singers and actresses and he said what else do you do I said well I did land up doing a business course and he said well were you any good and the way he asked me the question I knew that that was my ticket into America and I said yes so yeah. That's how I landed up um, eventually getting my green card. And I went to, again, some interviews. And I landed up having an interview at Elizabeth Arden for the National Training Director. Now, by this stage, I had been in New York for about a year or a year and a half. Um, I was singing and acting at night at these little rinky-dink comedy clubs. But I was able to stand up and perform in front of people. And so they thought I'd be great in training. And that's how I started my career in training at Elizabeth Arden. And they asked me to really become interested and learn and knowledgeable about fragrance. And so I had to spend my orientation for three months, really looking at the clients behind the counter, understanding what the clients wanted about fragrance, how to sell fragrance, how to position fragrance, how to talk about fragrance in a beautiful way, not just, oh, well, this smells great, because that really doesn't yeah. And then I traveled around the country doing training seminars for people in different stores. And every time I was in the market, the way I 
creative fragrance experience. I had beautiful music playing. I had beautiful fragrance wafting in the air. I had lovely visuals. So when people came in, the beauty advisors behind the counter came into these training seminars, which could have been just a conference room in a hotel. I totally changed the landscape and the ambiance of that room. And I turned it into a magical fragrance oasis. And so... Sales went up. And so that's how I started my career. Uh, I was at Elizabeth Arden. Uh, after training, they promoted me to color cosmetics and then to marketing. And then Lancome hired me as marketing director. And then lo and behold, Tiffany hired me as vice president of fragrance. And I developed and launched the Tiffany perfume. So that's really my sort of corporate career in a nutshell. And wow. Then <laughs> I'm just I'm just in awe right now. So excuse my enthusiasm. I'm just that's so that's amazing. That's so amazing. Well, you know, thank you. And and if you'd have told me growing up in South Africa that one day I'd be, you know, vice president of Tiffany and create Tiffany perfume, I I would be, you know, amazed. I would say that's like, you know, not possible. But you know, anything is possible if you put your mind and soul and heart and body behind it. And then when I started my own company, because I was now um, going to have my daughter and I wanted to actually take care of my, my new baby. So I started my company called Centerprises, which is sent with an enterprises. So that was a name I trademarked, Centerprises. And um, was hired to create fragrances for Burberry, Trish McAvoy, Avon, Lancaster, and all the top brands. And then 2008 happened the economy crashed and then you know I had to reinvent myself so serendipitously I started to think about custom fragrances and um, I, I developed a whole initiative about bespoke perfumes at a time when people didn't even know what the word bespoke meant it's a really very important British term really meaning you know created for the client created for um, a person that is bespeaks of them and so the idea was that I would start to create these custom fragrances and you know people were a little asconce they said you know what are you doing Tupperware parties for perfume and they laughed and mm. now we know um, customization and experiences are really very important trends in fragrance so again serendipitously I was able to start my own a company and then I did the fragrances and then of course 2020 the pandemic happened so again I had to reinvent myself and that's when I wrote my book called The Power of Perfume and I was able to actually help people again quite serendipitously regain their sense of smell because uh, NBC wanted to do a story about the book and they asked if I could bring they, they asked if they could bring somebody in who had anosmia and if they could you know, help if I could help them. And I said, well, I'll try. And I was able to help her regain her sense of smell. So to date, I've helped about 136 people regain their sense of smell. And I'm so grateful that the only thing that I'm grateful to the pandemic for is that it has raised the awareness of how important our sense of smell is. And so that been you know a wonderful thing that I've been able to help so many people and again quite serendipitously so that's sort of my story up to date <laughs> oh my goodness I have you know I am just in awe you are truly 
truly such, you know, such an icon. And I can't believe that you've done such, you know, phenomenal work. I mean, even beyond creating such iconic scents and fragrances. I mean, the the last bit of um, what you said about, you know, really helping people, um, that's a very, very difficult task, Sue. I mean, you've really done some extraordinary work, you know, from the medical standpoint. I mean, I, I know I've had patients who've had like Kalman syndrome where they lose their sense of smell or, you know, and it's a very difficult thing to get back. So for you to have done that, I mean, really, truly hats off to you. That's that's really, really amazing work. So, I mean, I, I'm just so honored that you're here. <laughs> well, you know, I think it has to be, you know, look, I'm not a neuroscientist, but I will tell you that our 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 sort of brain power is so incredibly strong that I say to people when I take them on these scent healing journeys and whether it's on zoom because I send them a scent healing kit or whether we do it in person uh, I want you to imagine as you're smelling the blotter strip and you're trying to identify number one if you can smell anything and number two if you can identify it what you know what a lemon, what an orange, or what strawberry, what any of these ingredients smell like and taste like. And so it's really trying to clear the cobwebs in their brain and really trying to get them to focus. And I do think that there is something to be said for asking people to really think about how aroma makes them feel and what the aromas are and how it correlates with smell and taste. Because so many people don't think about it. I mean, we go through our lives never thinking about our sense of smell or taste until, sadly, one day it's gone. And yes. then realize how, how important they are. Oh, absolutely. And you know what? what's so interesting, you know, just to add on to what you said, I mean, when it comes to neuroscience, you know, I... I've done some research, you know, in the field of uh, just memory development and retention. And one thing that I know that, you know, many researchers have published this is this idea that um, through when you're stimulating that part of your brain that is responsible for the, you know, the retention of memory, the storage of memories, you're also working um, many other parts, many other major centers of the brain. So, you know, I think a lot of us understand that, you know, it's all tied together, but it all it also makes me wonder about, you know, pay, people, for example, that have dementia or Alzheimer's, you know, and how um, fragrance can be a tool for them as well when it comes to recalling events, recalling life situations, you know, and bringing back memories, even if it's for a few seconds, you know, I mean, how many people do all of us know, you know, listening in the audience? that you know you know someone who suffers from that I mean I would just I couldn't imagine you know the research hasn't been done but I could only imagine that it would be um, a very interesting set of data to observe you know if you could really look at that and see like what does scent do for you when it comes to memory recall in patients who have lost memories you know absolutely well well you know what they they say is that um you know Almost, almost 14% of Americans um, of 71 and older have actually got dementia. And, yeah. you know, just an, it's not just an age factor. Uh, it's not just that people who are old get dementia. I mean, I've, I've seen people who have 35, 35 who have memory loss. And memory loss happens either through, as we know now, neural problems, viral problems, the you know, COVID, the pandemic, 
motor accidents, pneumonia, car accidents, um, very bad head colds. It, it's really very interesting how people don't ever think about their sense of smell until it's lost. And the reason they don't think about it is because there's such an interesting automatic response from the second, from the nanosecond we are born, we yeah. smell, you know, infants can recognize their mothers from the way they smell. And so we just go through life, you know, knowing that things smell good or bad, or they, you know, fire is smoky or gas is bad. And, and then of course you can't smell anything if you have any of these disorders. And it's very, very, very difficult people you know have told me how it has devastated their lives that they can't smell they can't smell danger they can't smell their loved ones they can't enjoy food because the smell associated with the food and the scent and the taste are so connected so it's a very very important powerful sense yeah no i'm actually i'm actually one of those people it's funny you mentioned that i actually cannot eat seafood because of that same reason Every time I, I have told my friends this and they don't believe me. And I say, I cannot taste anything except the, the smell of just fish when it's not fresh, no matter yeah. how fresh the seafood is. It could be directly out of the water and onto my plate. And I would still not be able to get over that, that overwhelming, um, the, you know, the, that sense of just smelling rather than the taste and it's just so fascinating to see that you know how our brain interprets the, you know fragrance and scents and and different smells and how that really correlates with all of the other senses even sight you know it's like you you can smell for example you go outside you smell um a, you know days for example smell differently right i mean the morning dew the morning like at, at dawn you can smell something different than you do in the middle of the day and that will elicit things such as memories and and you know different kinds of emotions in you and it's just such a fascinating area so i mean i i just love your work i think that you you know the way you're you've been approaching scent is just it's it, it's truly the essence of why i even created fragrance fridays because it's always been what has led me to just be so attracted to fragrance, you know, and to try to understand it and try to understand the science of it and the chemistry of it. So, I mean, that actually leads me to one of my biggest questions for you, because I know that you've done a lot of work with celebrities, um, helping them create their signature scents, you know, um, and that, I don't know, I'm a little confused about that because I always wonder, you know, what is someone's signature scent? Like, what is the process of that? If you could like go through that with us like you know when you sit down with a celebrity what are some of the questions you ask them you know about like what they envision their their scent being like well actually i do this with everybody not just celebrities because every time i have clients who come to meet with me i give them a scent personality quiz and actually they can take the quiz um and it could be really fun if people wanted to do this so i have an app if you go to suephillipsapp.com just suephapp.com and you'll see the scent personality quiz and the scent quiz is really it's a 12 question quiz and it's a lifestyle personality quiz and really what is so interesting is that it really helps me determine what lifestyle they have and ultimately how i would interpret their answers to a fragrance 
And so I asked something like, you know, what fabrics do you like to wear? What inspire, which art kind of inspires you? What are your favorite seasons? Um, if you were to build your dream home, which artist would you like, you know, which, which of the following would most inspire its design? If it's a Frank Lloyd Wright house or a sort of a Manhattan penthouse or a, a cottage or, an, or a little palatial mansion. So these are these questions. They're not very hard questions, but they really are very informative because I can tell when I meet with people if they really are into the into outdoors, if they're more sophisticated, if they're more casual, if there may be a combination of, you know, um, something that they are a little sporty during the day, but they're sophisticated at night. And that's really quite interesting. And so how that translates to fragrance is there are very many different fragrance families. And there are so many that it gets confusing for the, the regular client or the regular everyday person to understand, you know, the citrus, the flowers, the woodsy, the spicy, the musky, the heady owned, the olfactive, uh, the, the um, uh, sheep bows, the mossy notes and, and herbaceous notes. So suddenly it gets you know, overwhelmed. And so what I did was I narrowed it down to four main categories, which is very easy to understand. Fresh, which is like those lovely, bright lights, fresh citrusy scents, sporty, lively, and very sparkling. Or you like florals, which shows you a little bit more sophisticated, a little bit more sensual, and you love florals, maybe a little bit feminine. But interesting enough, some men love florals too. And then we get into the woodsy category, very outdoorsy, woodsy, very sort of lovely, fresh, natural fragrances. And then the spicy, if you like sensual, exotic spicement. So those are four areas that people can really relate to. And based on the scent personality quiz results, I can determine if you like fresh, floral, woodsy or spicy. And then I go ahead and I actually create a fragrance for people. And it's, it's, you know, it's really a question of understanding who they are and what they like. And then I can interpret it from an olfactory standpoint. That's so interesting. Wow. I love that. I love how involved your approach is. That's really, really, you know, I feel like, you know, just as somebody on the outside as a consumer looking in, I always imagined fragrance to be like that. And for someone who is such an expert to always approach it like that. But unfortunately, I've met so many people, you know, we live in this world of just right corporate, you know, everything right corporate landscape. And I feel like there's so many cookie cutter sense out there you know it's just like the same thing over and over again and so it's just so refreshing to hear your perspective about everything and how you really see it you know overall and how you are trying to make it um customized because that's what i think you know everyone you know that i've talked to i mean that's what you think of when you think of scent and fragrance and your own personal scent or something that you wear every single day it's it's something that's unique to you something that matches your chemistry and that and actually that's one of my big questions for you is this idea of chemistry body chemistry as it interacts with um you know the the chemicals in fragrance if you could tell us a little bit more about that i know that it's different for everybody but have you found like some commonalities that we all have that are you know interacting with um different molecules and fragrances or i mean anything you could share with us on that so you know we all have our own dna and we all have our own body chemistry 
And what you just said was so interesting. You know, um, the reason so many fragrances today smell similar is because I'm going to answer the question about the body chemistry, but I'm also going to tell you about the first uh, just point you made about, you know, the corporation. So every company, when they want to create a fragrance, they want to launch a fragrance, they certainly want it to really do well. They want it to be very innovative and they want it to sell successfully at this counter. And so they do these benchmarks and they take a very um, popular fragrance that might be in the top 10. And they say, well, let's let's see what is about this fragrance works. So it's, it's either the packaging or the bottle or the direction or the fragrance or the celebrity who, who launches it. There's so many different factors. And at the end of the day, they have these sort of results of the, the benchmark of what makes a good fragrance popular. And then they say, well, try and duplicate it. And that's why you have so many Me Too fragrances out there because everybody wants the next, you know, uh, multi-gazillion billion dollar success. So instead of really thinking about what is important to the brand and the brand essence, they try and match what the some benchmark is for quality or success. And so that is why there are so many fragrances that are literally duplicates. And I find it quite upsetting that there are so many duplicates. Now, to get back to your point about why are certain fragrances so popular and what happens with our body chemistry? So everybody has their own unique body chemistry. And, you know, just look at us all. We have our own DNA and we have our own body type and our own coloring. If you're blonde and fair or if you're swarthy and dark or if you're a combination or if you've got oily skin or light skin or, you know, uh, very dry skin, all of those factors go into how a fragrance is going to work with your body chemistry. And, what works well on somebody might not work well on you. And that is why customization has become so important and is such an important trend right now, because, you know, if, if a very, very, very popular fragrance is selling like hotcakes and it doesn't suit you, then no matter how many times you put it on, if it doesn't suit your body chemistry, it's going to be awful on you. So right. it's really important that people determine what they like and, you know, what their body type is and what their fragrance type is. And some people really just don't like flowers. And so many, many fragrances on the market are flowers. And if you don't like a flower and it doesn't suit you, then you really have to look very carefully for a fragrance that maybe doesn't have flowers. And so that you can start to enjoy some of the other sort of ingredient types, like maybe a lovely fresh sparkling citrus or a beautiful herbaceous lavender combined with essential spice note. So all of those aspects and attributes will give you a beautiful fragrance without necessarily having to go to a flower. Same is true for, for any of the other categories. Right now, there is such a prevalence of this fragrance called oud, O-U-D. Um, you know, oud is actually a very interesting, beautiful ingredient which comes from agarwood. And mm. it the agarwood berry that the goats absolutely love. And I, when I was in Morocco, I actually saw the goats climb up the agarwood trees to get that last agarwood berry, you know, nestled in the branches. And so yeah. there's a pungent smell that this agarwood gives off. And so now in the last five years, almost every fragrance out there has this agarwood 
note, but it's not the natural wood, it's a synthetic version of it. So it's very pungent, it's very recognizable, and it's so prevalent. So. Wow. No, I didn't know that. I mean, I, I, I'd heard of the name, but I didn't know, um, you know, any information about that. I, I just think it's so interesting what you said, though, about the, you know, you'd have to look really hard if you're not into like the typical cookie cutter, like, you know, like the florals or just the, you know, the typical sense. And you're right, because I've been there. You know, I'm one of those consumers like I could not for the longest time, you know, I remember, you know, this is a very like, I guess, mundane fragrance now because everyone has discovered it. But when I first was in college, I, I loved um, Dolce & Gabbana's Light Blue because I had never smelled something like that. It reminded me of the ocean. And then once I got used to it, I almost like took a hiatus from fragrances because I felt like everyone was wearing it and it just got to be too much. You know what I mean? Like it got to be like too um I I guess it, it overpowered me you know I smelled it everywhere I was always like you know bombarded by somehow something like that fragrance and I wonder how that works you know with people in terms of just how we switch out our perfumes or how we switch out what scents resonate with us depending on whether it's season or time of our life or our age you know um, I would love to get your perspective on just what you've seen you know consumers do during their lifetime about you know how they switch fragrances out and how people evolve in this area um, when it comes to personal scent well Hector that is such a great question because I actually talk about fragrance through the decades and the economic, social, and political trends that influence fragrance and mm. why fragrances are so memorable at certain stages of our lives. So, you know, interestingly enough, uh, many, many people, so, I, you know, I usually start sort of the early 1900s. So in the early 1900s, you had these, all these classic fragrances like Chanel, uh, excuse me, Shalimar, Arpege, and, and, you know, and Chanel was sort of created out of, um, out of the sort of creativity of Ernest Beau, the perfumer. And Chanel went to him and said, she wanted something very modern. I want something modern and something very feminine and something very memorable. And he heard those words. And he actually created a fragrance out of interesting ingredients, rose and jasmine, but he added something with, from his lab, synthetic, with a combination of alcohol and dehydrogenated carbon oil. He beca it became known as an aldehyde. And an aldehyde is very powdery and it's very, very sort of got a very sort of bright sort of fattiness. It's like when you fry fat, that fat just fries and that's that sort of streak of lightness that comes out of that frying pan so yeah. an, an aldehyde is powdery and it has this lightness and he mixed that combination with rose and jasmine and so that became the hallmark of chanel number no. five now that you know has now been popular for 100 years it's just celebrated its 100th university anniversary but what's happening now is um you know and then, in, so you had the, the, the 10, 1910s and then 1920s. Um, and then in the 40s, you had situations of um, uh, the war and the, um, the uh, sorry, I just had on delivery, um, just had, uh, you know, what happened with Dior and, and, and 
how fashion and fragrance and the economic situation so tied into each other. And you had the cinched in waste and you had situations where people wanted to explore um, interesting, innovative ingredients. And so you had all these designers creating fragrances. And then suddenly, you know, in, in the, the, the 1960, 1960, Americans started creating fragrances. And so the Norel was the first American designer to create a fragrance and it was very green and very fresh, which really epitomized the whole notion of what America was and is, you know, a new country and a new designers. And so everything was very fresh and very green as opposed to those heavy fragrances from the European designers. And then in the 70s, you had something like Charlie come out, which is the first sort of uh, fragrance that reflected women's lib. And, you know, there the advertising, there she was striding down Fifth Avenue in a pantsuit saying, you know, I'm me, I'm Charlie. And then in the 80s, just the whole story of ostentation and overabundance and exuberance. And I don't know if you, you're probably too young to remember, there was a fragrance called Georgia, Beverly Hills. Yeah. And it's a very, very big, bold fragrance, which really reflected what the 80s were, you know, the overextended, overexpansive and big shoulders, big hair, big perfume. Everything was big and bold and exuberant. And the economy was, everything was... And so the fragrance was too. And then there was a backlash in the 90s. So everything started retrenched. And so the fragrances became watery and became very ozonic. And that was the Isimiyaki ozonic and Dolce Gabbana light blue type fragrance that you refer to, which was really sort of a backlash against this over, over sort of proliferation of um, consumer spending. And then at the time of the millennium, there was a, such a feeling of nostalgia. You know, people say it's a new, it's a new century, it's a new millennium, and there was a whole situation of Y two K, and people were nervous about that. And so there was a yearning and a nostalgia for the good old days. So that's when the classic fragrances reemerged. People went back to the classics, the Chanel's, the Arpeggios, and the Chalamars because they were familiar. And then. As we entered 2010 and, you know, we start to think about how the ingredient story is so important. And all along, throughout all of this, there were designers and celebrities putting their mark on fragrances. So the first one was Elizabeth Taylor in the 80s and her fragrance was big and bold, just like the 80s. And then in the 90s, you had designers and celebrities coming out with different fragrances. So... You know, it's so interesting how certain fragrances will just give you that jolt of memory of being back in the day of, whether it was, you know, depending on your age, the 70s, 80s, and 90s, 2000, 2010, and so on. And right now, it's all about the ingredient story and how to reflect your inner individuality and your personality. Right, right. That's so true. Yeah, especially with... The way Gen Z is uh, evolving, they're very much like about, you know, individuality as well. You know, it's, it's like I talk to a lot of people about, you know, what is what are the trends right now for Gen Z or the new generation coming up? And it's like they're all about, you know, individuality and figuring out who they are and all of this. So that makes so much sense, like everything you said. And I love how you really, you know, um, encapsulated this idea of you know, scent moves with time. And I think that that's the most, you know, beautifully articulated way I've ever heard it, you know, explained because 
it's very true. You know, there, for me, like, I remember there are memories I have of, for example, like my grandmother's, um, you know, my, my, uh, I was born in rural India. And so like, you know, I remember since even to this day, you know, when I was like, what, three, four years old that are very like um, earthy you know, like uh, oil blends that they would have, you know, something that they would create at home, whether it was with flowers or tree bark or whatever, but I still to this day, I'll remember that. And, you know, those scents still come back to me. But then as I came to the United States and I grew up here, um, you know, I gravitated more towards things like the ocean and, you know, whatever my preferences were. So I can even see that in my own lifetime, you know, and in, in how I've changed as a human being and evolved and what my preferences have become over time so that's very very interesting and the science of it in terms of the psychology and the science that is just I mean I'm I'm waiting for a neuroscientist to team up with you and, and really go into this because I feel like we could really untap a lot of mysteries when it comes to you know helping people even more you know so well, that's very yeah interestingly enough uh, a neuroscientist has tapped into me and we are actually collaborating on a book believe it or not Oh my goodness. Wow. Very exciting. Uh, yes, there's a Dr. Mila Emerald who's in um, in Canada, Ottawa, Canada. And uh, she's an amazing neuroscientist and very creative as well and, and loves fragrance. And we are now actually co collaborating on a book. It'll be my second book and I don't know how many she's written, but many. But it'll come from a neuroscientific standpoint from her st side and the olfactory sort of fragrance creativity on my side. And it's quite exciting because, you know, it all stemmed from the fact that I had started to help people with anosmia and she heard about and read about me in you know, some of the interviews that I've done. And she reached out to me and said that she was fascinated with my work. And I said, well, look, you know, you're the scientist. I'm not the scientist. All I know is the power of fragrance. And I wrote my book and she was fascinated that you know, I wrote a book about the power of perfume because studies have been done that our sense of smell is our most powerful sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm about that. I'm so excited to hear that, that you're, um, you know, teaming up and doing that. I feel like there could be so much that we could learn from this. I mean, it's, it's truly extraordinary, you know, when, even as just a student, when I was learning about, you know, just neuroscience, the different brain centers that we have, I mean, and then hearing your work, you know, that you've done already, I mean, it's truly inspiring. And I think a lot of, if there's anyone in the, you know, listenership, that's, you know, if you're a neuroscience student, um, I really urge you, you know, look into to the already published book and obviously the upcoming one but you know this is this is a very fascinating area you know it really is it's I think and you know you say you're not the scientist but I would uh, I would have to disagree I think you are um, just as much a scientist as any of us you know in terms of like it really understanding what makes a human being tick you know what makes our brain work the way it does we don't know anything about it you know if you really think about it the brain is the most complex organ that we have and if fragrance can you know reverse certain things or you know elicit certain things like memories i mean what a powerful tool right it's that's so amazing it it is remarkable you know i i when i do it, when i do the zoom sessions um, and even when i meet with people in person and we do the scent healing sessions when i when they've lost their sense of smell and I take them on the scent healing journey because I have 18 different fragrances. And 
it's so remarkable. You know, when I look at their faces, either on Zoom or in person, and I take them through each scent, and I can see immediately if there's a connection. If I start to see a light or a, a connection in their eyes, and I see something going on in their facial, um, you know, um, uh, expressions, I can see the brain waves connecting to the olfactory system. And in fact, as we know, the olfactory bulb <laughs> connects directly to the limbic system. So you can actually see that happening with people suddenly getting a recognition and either the eyes will get brighter, they'll smile, they'll, they'll sort of twinkle. There's some kind of a physical reaction that happens when people recognize and can smell something. If yeah. they've been able to smell it for, for weeks or months or in some instances years. So to see that physical reaction where you can see the brain waves literally connecting to the olfactory bulb, it is just so compelling. It is it is just mesmerizing and it brings me to tears every time. I mean, I've done so many interviews where I've seen people and we've helped them regain their sense of smell. And when they can smell about it, when they smell and they talk about it, they are in tears. And of course I am too, because it is so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I can't even, I wish I could like, you know, be a fly on the wall when you you've done these sessions. Cause I would love to witness that. I mean, I can only imagine someone who has lost their sense of smell and then to, to gain that, you know, again, and you know, it's, it's, I can't even imagine, you know, honestly, I couldn't. Um, one thing though, I do, I'm very curious about Sue. And I think if you ever have, um, you know, the chance or the time, you know, in your schedule, I would love for you to consider um, bringing on board a neuroimaging specialist when you do these sessions, because, you know, what's interesting, and when you were explaining things, I kept thinking about these set of books that I read um, when I was like in my early 20s, and it was written by a neuroscientist, and he was just, he was, uh, you know, exploring different topics of like, you know, just mental health, for example, depression, anxiety, uh, ADHD. And what he did was he studied people based on their actual neuroimaging. And so when he would, um, you know, treat them with whatever pharmaceuticals he would treat them with, he would actually neuroimage their brains to figure out, is this medication actually working for you? And if it's not, he would treat them very, like, you know, specifically to what they actually had. And it, what you know came from that and what came from those studies was this very personalized approach so i would be very intrigued to see what happens when you're in a session with somebody and that you know what i mean like that what you mentioned about the brain waves and like that connection that happens like what really happens in the brain that would be such a fascinating um you know just me geeking out about science it would be so fascinating to see something like that yeah, well, actually, my, my sister-in-law is a psychologist, and she does a lot of this neurofeedback, and she puts the, you know, the earpods and, and the um, whatever the, the different uh, aspects are onto the, onto the clients when she does the neuro, it's like headphones, and she can actually measure and see what's happening in the brain when they hear certain things, whether it be music or where they see colors or something. So it's a form of neurofeedback and yeah. I've seen it and, I've, and she's done it on me. And there's definitely a, a sort of transformation that happens that you can actually see what's happening when the brain suddenly can hear music or recognize certain things. And I'm sure fragrance would be perfect to do that for as well. 
Yeah, yeah, no, I, I can, I can imagine that. It's, it's that's just so cool. I'm, I'm. See, it runs in your family, then. You know, <laughs> you're all just uh, genius. You know, it's, it just runs in your family. That's amazing. Um, I, you know, I guess my, you know, my rounding question for the interview, Sue, is to really learn about your beautiful boutique. I would love for you to share some details about it, maybe um, for our listeners, so that they can, you know, really kind of connect with you and take advantage of your brilliance. And and, you know, just kind of get their own customized scent, you know, if you could tell us a little bit about the boutique. Sure. So thank you. I'm very excited. So, you know, again, um, when I when I started my my custom fragrance business, I after a year, I opened up a boutique called the Centarium. And this is as a result of meeting somebody who told me, Sue, you know, you're doing these fragrance events in your apartments you really should have something that you know people could come to I said well I, I really don't want a boutique I don't want a shop so I went down to Tribeca and Tribeca is this very artsy trendy area in New York City and he had a big basement and in the basement was one of the rooms that was almost like it was basically a storage room for the flower shop that was upstairs and it was open for rent so he said, you know, you could transform this. I said, yes, I could. So I turned it into an oasis in the heart of Tribeca. It was a little rinky dink building. And as you came down the stairs, you suddenly encountered this beautiful oasis. I had my mother's gorgeous paintings. My mother was a wonderful artist from South Africa and she loved flowers. So I had so many floral paintings uh, on the walls and I had lovely music playing classical music and lovely fragrances wafting in the air so as people came downstairs they would see this lovely studio or salon and they would experience it well uh, sadly at when uh, the pandemic happened in 2020 I had to close it because everything was finished downtown there was nothing doing down there and it was just all boarded up so I found um, a pop-up studio on East 64th Street, which was lovely, which was temporary. And then that uh, was going to be renovated. So I had to find another one. And then finally, I have now found my own boutique. And I call it Sue Phillips Fragrance because it is not just a, 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 it's not a shop, but it's really almost a salon. And it's lovely because it's, it's my fragrances, but I'm also using it as almost like an incubator for fun sensory experiences. So it was actually, believe it or not, on, it's, it's on the Upper East Side on 80th Street off Madison. So it's a lovely area. It was a doctor's office, a dentist office. And the first part is the waiting room. And then there were two offices and so I literally had such a vision and I was able to knock down the walls and open it up and it's just lovely and if you go onto my website and if you go to the Sue Phillips app and you see the Sue Phillips fragrance uh, website you'll see the boutique and it's it's lovely it's, it's got a lovely sensibility it's got my perfume blends but it's also got an area where we can actually talk and meet with people and talk about you know whatever fragrance experience they want to enjoy also discuss bespoke fragrances i also involved in a theater group and i would love to have play readings there 
And also I'm doing mixology drinks where we can have different fragrances and drinks that correlate scent and taste. So it's more than a shop. It's just not even a shop, but it's really a boutique or a salon where people can really literally indulge and explore and enjoy the senses. That is so beautiful. Wow. It truly is an oasis. That's so wonderful. I love that. I, I, if you know, next time I'm in New York, I'm going to be there. You will see me. I'm so excited that you're doing this. And I'm so excited that, you know, I just, I get so overwhelmingly happy when I see people such as yourself that are true masters of, you know, their work create something for everyone to experience i think that that's one of the most beautiful gifts you can give to humanity and i really applaud you for bringing this to life and for bringing this to all of us you know and so that we can experience a piece of your world that's so so lovely well i'm so thrilled to do you know every day for me is just a mystery because it's a magical mystery i'd never know from one day to the next who or what i'm going to be doing who i'll be meeting with who will be calling to say, I want to create a fragrance or, or what you know, new um, situation will arise. Uh, people asking me about creating a fragrance for a, a holiday or a, a, a bride, you know, a wedding or a, um, an anniversary or even a, a school. Yesterday I had people contact me. They have a group of 40 students who want to come and meet with me uh, and create something. And I said, that would be great. And then I'm going actually to California in October. I'm coming to Malibu. Uh, at this beautiful retreat, Othero retreat. I'll be there for a week talking about fragrance. I'll be doing fragrance seminars and then I'll be doing a fragrance workshop and then I'll be doing a scent dinner. Um, I'm doing scent dinners and I'm going to Chicago to the Perfume Passage Museum in Chicago and I'll be doing a scent dinner in November and then I'm going to Lisbon to speak at a big conference. So every day, heralds new things for me and I just love it I am so no every day is different there is not a single boring day yeah spoken like a true pioneer I mean honestly that's so lovely and so wonderful and you know I think that that's that's really the I think hallmark of you know trailblazers and you know no one who creates anything from nothing uh sits still you know, that's what I've noticed, at least. And, you know, I'm just so happy to see that you're involved in so many projects and you really put your all into everything that you do. That's, you know, it's that's a beautiful thing. And we don't see enough of that anymore, unfortunately. So um, this has been in such an honor, Sue. Thank you so much. I mean, I can't I really can't thank you enough for coming on to the show. It's I've learned so much from you. And anytime you have the time, I would love to have you back on the show anytime. So I hope you consider that. <laughs> oh, well, I'm so honored that you found me and that you invited me. And I really thank you. I mean, as I said, you are the science guru and you're the neuroscientist, but I really appreciate you reaching out. And I'm thrilled to be here and to talk to your, to your group and to your listeners. And um, I'd be happy to even offer a, a book, one of my books, um, The Power of Perfume. If we have a lucky listener, they want to come in. I don't know if that's something you do, but I'd be happy to do that. Oh, how wonderful. Yes, absolutely. I hope everyone heard that. And um, the first person to send me an email, so shoot me an email, ecta at skincareanarchypodcast.com. And I will definitely, um, you know, let Sue know. And that would be so wonderful, Sue. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. And I hope everybody downloads the app, suephillipsapp.com. 
because I already did. Oh, great. That'll be <laughs> Our, a way for me to interview please. you too. So thank you so much. This has been an absolute joy and an honor. I appreciate that. Thank you. 